Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 31st. It's six minutes after 10. Thank you for listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We appreciate you being here. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. You can find me there, Casey Daniels 317. We're both on YouTube right now. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar and a reminder, your tickets are still available for a night with WIBC. That is coming up on Wednesday, October 4th, and that's at the Indiana Historical Society, and it's sponsored by our good friends at Relay Indiana. Okay, so last hour, we we played the clip of Tony Kennett on with Hammer and Nigel yesterday where he alluded to the fact that he has talked to someone off the record who worked at a rehab facility where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. And I, look, I, when I heard this yesterday, I just about fell off my chair and Tony Kennett is one of the best absolutely most phenomenal reporters investigative journalists in the business and I said we absolutely have to have him on to get more information on this so let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline now joined by, by Tony Kennett all right Tony um, I'm curious you know I know you're not going to reveal your source uh, I, I'm just curious though when you were first told this what your initial reaction was and do you find this person to be credible well, number one, I definitely find them to be credible because they are a very respected uh, nurse. Um, I think that they're respected by their colleagues. They're respected by their community. I'm absolutely not going to out them because things get a little tricky when you start talking about uh, revealing information about a person's whereabouts and because that gets into the HIPAA privacy laws. And so I just want to make sure that that source is protected. That said, um, you asked for my initial reaction, and it was – Basically, of course, of course, of course he did. So this this person reached out to me. Uh, there are several ways that I have learned from my work at the Heritage Foundation and the Daily Signal of ways to verify if a person is who they are. Uh, also drawing on a few tactics from when I worked for Governor Walker in Wisconsin, verified exactly who they were, what they were saying, chatted with them for a little bit. And uh, yes, Hogsett, uh, away from the riots for one reason and one reason only, and that is because he was getting the help that he needed in rehab. The question that I have following up is, well, then who is calling the shots? Yeah. Uh, goodness gracious. Well, okay. Tony Kennett, our guest, uh, bombshell yesterday on Hammer and Nigel, claiming that he has talked to someone who worked at a facility where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. Um and look, it, it doesn't – if the guy needed help, the guy needed help. And I think right. nobody is mad the guy had an issue, whether it's drinking or drugs or whatever it might be. I think the issue people have is you were not there. Clearly, whether Joe Hogsett was in Reno or was at a casino or was in rehab or wherever he was, he was not calling the shots on the night of the riots and people died and the city burned and businesses were destroyed. So I don't have any sympathy for you, Joe Hogsett, because you abandoned your post and people were injured and businesses were destroyed because of it. Does that make me a bad person? No, it doesn't. And and what actually also should be public knowledge is that the Indianapolis Star also knows this. So I have received confirmation from someone that I know inside the editor's office at the Indy Star that they also know that Joe Hogsett was getting rehab at this time, which means that instead of asking hard questions, 
and talking about his medical record, they knew exactly where he was. And instead of doing their journalistic job, which is supposed to be in the Midwest, it's the Upton Sinclair, you know, showing everyone the inside of the Chicago meat factories. That's supposed to be the journalist's job. That is where we hail from. Instead, they asked Joe Hogsett, well, how do you feel about people asking this, that, and the other? I mean, the, the, the malpractice that is at play here is so corrupt. It's, it's like we've drawn our politics straight out of Chicago as well. Mm-hmm. So are you thinking that the Indy Star isn't publishing this just to help him to cover? Oh, absolutely, because that's how the Indy Star works. The Indy Star's entire political writing team cares about nothing else than furthering the Democrat agenda. They turn down stories routinely that do not benefit what they consider their reading base. Uh, however, again, as the Indy Star's annual subscription number is dwindling, their general circulation number has fallen from like 55,000, 60,000 in the last couple of years to below 30,000. That's any kind of subscription at all. So they are desperately trying to, like, fluff the Democrats up as best they can. It's not helping. And so, yeah, of course, the, the Indy Star gave him a boost just to help because that's what they do. And, uh, Tony Kenna, our guest, we're talking about his bombshell revelation yesterday on Hammer and Nigel, claiming he talked to someone who works at a rehab facility where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. Okay, Tony, so the question becomes, and whether he was in rehab or a drinking problem or whatever, there's all sorts of rumors and allegations that have been out there a long for a very long time about Hogshead. Again, I come back to, it does, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't ultimately matter other than the fact that he abandoned the post during the riots. No one knows where he was. And if you are Jefferson Shreve and you have infinite money, you have the ability to run ads exposing this to everyone and forcing Joe Hogshead to tell people where he was, and instead you choose to use your vast fortune going after law-abiding gun owners and talking about abortion. It is just enraging about how Jefferson Shreve has run this campaign. This is exactly what happens when you trust people from Hathaway Strategies. Oh, yeah, the same man Hathaway is probably going to end up chairing the Indiana GOP. This is what happens when you trust eggheads who are more interested in abortion polls than actually caring about what, fun fact, both Democrats and Republicans universally and unilaterally care about infinitely more in the city of Indianapolis, which is crime and who is going to lead the city out of this Gotham City-like nonsense it's become. But Shreve doesn't want to ask that because Shreve has no idea what he's doing. Really, he has no idea what he's doing. He's floundering about like a dad walking in a dark playroom with Legos all over the floor. And then he (laughs) pretends to be surprised when he steps on a Lego. He's an idiot. Uh, He's probably one of the most incompetent candidates I've ever seen. Okay, so you mentioned Indy Star, but there's a lot more than Indy Star in this city that cover politics and government. And no one... Other than that, one lady from Indie Star a month ago who asked the question and then got no follow, no, there was no follow up whatsoever, despite the fact that she got a totally spin, ridiculous answer from non answer from Hogsett. Why will no one else ask Hogsett this question? I can't do it because I can't walk up to Joe Hogsett. I'm sure someone with guns and a suit would send me to a very dark place where Jack Bauer would be interrogating me if I got within <laughs> 10 feet of the guy. Why will no one who has access to Joe Hogsett ask him this question? They have to be curious where the hell he was. Because you and I both know that WTHR is a hell of a lot of a different company when Tom Sayer was there and doing reporting and anchoring there than it is now. And Captain Dumpster Diver, their investigative reporter, couldn't find his way out of a paper sack unless there was Democrat funding behind it. (laughs) 
So you're talking about old two L's who uh, was dead wrong about Hammer and Nigel and Camp Atterbury. He went to the the ends of the earth on that one and was proven totally wrong. But you're right. He won't ask. He won't verify. Old two L's won't verify where Hogsett was during the riots. And, you know, I, I look, I'm a conservative. This shocks absolutely no one's. Did you know that I've been just as hard on Jim Lucas about his drunk driving charge yes. as I have been about Shreve? Yes. I've been just as hard on the Indiana GOP and the stupid stuff they've done as I have been about the Indiana Democrats. Because, it's again, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not a biased journalist. Absolutely I am. Every single journalist is biased. But it's going past that and being willing to ask the questions. Because here's the secret. If I like a candidate and they give me a decent answer, then I've just made myself and them look better. All Hogsett has to do is tell the truth here. And if he's done the right things, then he should gain fans, not lose them for this. But you and I both know that if he told the truth, it would sink him to the depths of the public opinion rating, which is already abysmal for him. Yeah, and typically if if somebody like him came out and said, hey, you know what, here's where I was, this is what I was doing, most of the time people would be pretty forgiving. But the fact that it happened during the riots, how do you think people would take it? Oh, I mean, they would, they would feel incredibly betrayed because, again, if he would have come out right after the riots and said, look, there's no excusing that, that this is where I was. I apologize. This was obviously a time that was necessary for me to be here, et cetera. Then people would have forgiven him. But once you start leaving the skeleton in the closet to molder, the, it gets more disgusting. You know, the longer a corpse rots, the, the worse it smells. So we can't let it out of the closet now because then it's not just that you did something wrong. You did something wrong and you hit it. I mean, come on. We all remember the lectures from our parents about, well, if you would have told me right away, I wouldn't have been as mad. I mean, this is basic political concept theory. This isn't like some advanced graduate school level stuff. Just tell the truth and you don't have these problems. Uh, a couple of minutes left here with Tony Kennett talking about his bombshell revelation yesterday that he has talked to someone who worked at the facility where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. Okay, so I guess my question, and I don't want you to re- reveal your your tactics here, What what what's, you know, it's like military, right? You don't tell the enemy where you're going. But high level, what's the next step here? Because I assume you as a journalist, a guy who does great work, you're looking for a way to put this in something that can be printed and you can say, here's what can be verified. Like, what is the what is the next step here for you? Well, at the moment, I'm dealing with uh, the, the lovely three-day cold, which is this variant of COVID. Um, and after I get done with that, I have a call scheduled with uh, a friend of mine who is a medical law expert. Mm. And I want to make sure that all the I's and T's are dotted and crossed because I don't want to do anything that's improper here. I really don't. And I'm not trying to reveal things that are under his legal protected rights. However... I think that the best next step for the entire state would be if I was Shreve and I wanted to win an election, I know, crazy concept, (laughs) then I would call for him to release his medical records. And I would make that every single thing I'm doing. Because here's a fun fact. If you check into a rehab facility that is classified under the Indiana state law as well as federal law as medical care, which means it's written on, you guessed it, your medical record. So again, I don't think there's anything wrong with him going to rehab. Get the help you need. But if you're going to lie about it and then be all Mr. Super Secret when people died and your city was burning, yeah, that that's not very good. So yeah. I'm going to be looking into that so we do this right. And, and you said this yesterday with Hammer and Nigel, and I think it's accurate. 
I think we have the right with our public officials. Now, I'm talking not talking about like your city council members, but if you're the mayor and you have the ability to just shut businesses down, which Hogsett did, or you're the governor and you have right. the ability to shut businesses down like Holcomb did, or you've got the ability to let rioters destroy a city like Hogsett and Holcomb together did, then I have the right to know everything about you because you are making choices that dramatically affect my existence. So I have the right to know if you've been in rehab. Yeah, and again, this is the same thing that I said back when we were talking about Jim Lucas, because if there's been some kind of impropriety in which you violated the law, because the real question here is, was he in rehab for alcoholism or was he also in rehab for drug use? Then we start getting into some itchy stuff here because... Again, why are people who serve in office allowed to break the law and then get a light wrist slap or nothing in the case of Joe Hogshead, at least we can find from court records. But meanwhile, if you and I go out and we abuse drugs or we drink and drive, then it's, you know, it's jail for us. And it's very serious stuff. So, again, that's the question that I have here. Of course, I think that we should have transparency from larger politicians. I would also like a unicorn. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not exactly going to be a thing as much as I would love that. But, again, I, I really have a problem in Indiana with it being so far from a battleground state that no one even tries to ask why our leaders aren't thrown in jail when they break the law. They're given these little misdemeanor happy dances. But you and I, if we break the law, it's the hoot scow. Well, and, and it's like, and the new thing, and I know you gotta, we got to get to a break, but before we go, the new thing, is, and we just saw this with this Chip Perfect guy, Senator who resigned. You've got Randy Fry, this Chip Perfect guy. These guys just quit in the middle of their term, mm-hmm. and everybody just goes, oh, okay. oh personal reasons? Oh, sure, I don't, that's, that's I fine. don't have enough time for the state. <laughs> I don't have enough time. <laughs> you ran for office, you jackass. <laughs> you know what, though, Tony? Uh, Jefferson Shreve is never going to ask him to release his medical records. Well, what a coincidence. He's also not going to win an election. <laughs> hey, man, you are the absolute... Go out on a high note, right? It's Costanza yeah. theory. Mic uh, drop. Yeah, you're uh, you're the best, Tony Kennett. Man, this is awesome. We can't wait to, wait to uh, read more about it. And uh, thanks for a few minutes. Thank you, guys. Take care. You're listening to Kennel and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. After 10, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Every time I hear that, this is why Kevin is my favorite, because Kev puts those liners together. And he just has so uh, much humility that Kev is willing to play a a liner in which he is literally dehumanized. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, whatever that young man is. (laughs) He does it for the team. I don't even think he says whatever your name is. I think he just says whatever whatever you are. Yeah, he's talking about maybe my position on the show or... Or just my uh, standing as a human. You're a man. Yeah, you're not a fish. You're not a, a you're not a salamander. You're a man. Yeah, exactly. Get it right. <laughs> so here's a conversation that I'm sure you will eventually have to have, Rob, since you have a baby now. Maybe not for a few years. Yes. But that is when to decide at what age your child 
gets a cell phone. Oh, that's pretty simple, Casey. Never. <laughs> Boy, see why it wasn't that easy? Okay. Look how that so works. So 18 then, I'm guessing. So choosing when to give your children their first cell phone is now one of the hardest decisions <laughs> a parent can make. And that is according to new research. There's a new poll out. And it says parents of children age 8 to 17 revealed that 36% find it as hard as choosing which school the oh children should gosh. go to. I don't believe that at all. Okay, so I will clarify. I think there is probably merit to your child being able to make an emergency phone call or send a text message. There is zero reason, though, for your kid when not in your sight to be, or in the sight of an adult you trust and and love to be perusing around the internet. I mean, there's zero reason for that whatsoever you know eight nine ten year old kid whatever um again under a parent supervision fine but if you're just saying here's a cellular telephone Mm -hmm. take it to school with you then that to me should be for phone calls or text message if that's your preferred means of communication and that's it emergency use only i have to imagine that the age is getting younger and younger over the years um now you know so you know, I'm nostalgic about everything, Casey. Here's the theory I'm throwing out there, and I have no idea if in a few years this will even still be available. But, um, like, my parents gave me a, a Walkman when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't have, like, a portable CD player. I had a Walkman. Yeah. So when I'd cut the grass or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my version of the Walkman would be a flip phone. <laughs> Because yeah. on the flip phone, mm-hmm. all you can do is send a text message and make a phone call. And then I can I can do the thing, this is what I had when I was a kid, and look <laughs> at how I turned out. But then you're going to hear, but my friends have Yeah, this. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. A total of 29% say it's more difficult uh, deciding when your child should get a cell phone as who they should be playing with. Yeah. One of the... Um, you know, I talk about a lot about this a lot that I'm doing this journal for my daughter every day. I write, you know, a paragraph or two about either things that happened or if there's not some big thing that happened, I'll just do little thoughts and life advice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, and I don't know if you, you found this, but one of the great things about being a parent that I'm looking forward to is finally being able to utilize things that as an adult, I can look back on and realize these were big mistakes that I made that did not better my existence. And in fact, they harmed my existence and being able to finally use those mistakes that you've sat on for all these years and gone, man, what was the point of that? And then you realize as a dad, Mm -hmm. you can use the mistakes that you made to ensure that your kid has a better life. Yeah. And one thing. You got one? I wish my dad had said, you will never be on the internet because ain't nothing good ever happened on the internet. That's true. There's a lot of (laughs) nonsense out there. 74% of parents think it's important for a child to have a phone when they start high school. Yeah, I, and look, it, well, how would the kid learn? Well, how did we learn? Mm-hmm. They're called books. Yeah. They're called encyclopedias. I think it was about that age when I got my daughter her first cell phone. How old? Like 15. Now, did she- Starting high school. Did she have unlimited, unfettered access to the World Wide Web? 
Yeah, because she had an iPhone bike. Oh, back. you should have DCS called on you in a heartbeat, you think lady. So? Oh, absolutely. I'm really curious as to what age our <laughs> listeners think is appropriate for children to start yeah, getting cell phones. That'd be great. I know a lot of people argue about screen time. Yes. Uh, that was never an issue for me because she was so involved with sports and her academics that she just didn't have time My to sit around. Kid is gonna be have a one computer and it's gonna be in the center of the house mm-hmm. where everybody can see it at all times. And you know why? Because I know I know what's out there, Casey. <laughs> I know what's out there. I know you know. And you know what's good? The mm-hmm. real world is good. Mm-hmm. People you interact in the real world where you have to bring them to your house and your father can vet them. That's good. You know what's not good? The internet. Okay, so if you have an opinion on this, we would love to hear it. 317-684-8444. At what age is it appropriate for children to have a cell phone? Or, of course, you can uh, let us know on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall or Casey Daniels 317. And speaking of voicemails, we do have those coming up next from 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. Let's do it. Let's hear from you at 317-684-8444. It is time for your voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Okay, lots to get to today. Remember yesterday we did that story about Mike Pence totally uh, wimping out on going on Buck Sexton and Clay Travis's radio show. Mm -hmm, Because he had a bad cell signal. Yes. So Clay Travis, the (laughs) outkick, the coverage guy, the guy who took over for Rush Limbaugh along with Buck Sexton, they do a show together that's on all these radio stations Rush used to be on. Uh, They invited Mike Pence on their show and Clay Travis has had run-ins with Mike Pence before because, well, Mike Pence is a big, fat fraud and a phony, and Clay Travis isn't having any of his bullcrap. And the way it works in Pence orbit is if you kiss Pence's ass and go along with his little scam and schemes, then Oh, you're you're great. You're the best. You're wonderful. Yeah, we'll come on with you. Oh, you're going to actually ask us hard questions. Oh no, we can't have any no, of thanks. that. So his excuse, the lame ass weak sauce excuse, was, uh, "I'd love to come on this week, but uh, I'm not going to have any cell phone reception." Mm-hmm. We're led to believe that Mike Pence is going to go an entire week without ten minutes of cell phone reception necessary to make a single solitary phone call? I believe that Mike Pence is in Iowa again today <laughs> and I didn't know that they didn't have cell phones in Iowa. Oh, that's, that's news. It's just so pathetic, but it's so Mike Pence and somebody called about that. Hey, Rob. Hey, KP, old trucker John reporting in. What are people, like, I mean, I know like he's not fairly holding on if he is at all, but where's the rest of the country, you know, still full hope for Mike Pence going to realize this dude is a joke and I mean, for example, I am now currently driving in an area of the country where the only thing that's here are a couple of trees and some hills and mountains, no civilization whatsoever, and I'm assuming I've got good enough signal for you to hear me. So you're telling me the former vice president of the United States can't get a, uh, one of those little cell phone adapters that ups the, uh, ups the voltage or ups the signal? Uh, I know I'm speaking in the choir here, but come on. I'm over the road. I'm in the middle of nowhere. You can hear me. <laughs> we can. Calling on your jitterbug. 
<laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's pathetic, isn't it, Casey? It is. I mean, that's ridiculous. Somebody tagged us in a uh, Twitter post oh. that uh, a listener for WIBC is saying that they're leaving Indianapolis to go visit some friends in Iowa. Yes. And, of course, Mike Pence is showing up in the same small town, and that's today. Mm-hmm. He said he's going to ask if Mike Pence is planning to take over <laughs> middays on WIBC in a few months. Oh, we don't want that. Oh, we all remember. No. We all remember Mike Pence's boring radio and terrible ratings, and we don't want any part of that. WIBC has long since moved on from those days. Uh, all right. So yesterday we talked about how it was uh, another. It's been a, just a very. And Casey, this pains me. It's been a very rough week for Silent Suzanne Crouch. Mm. Uh, she's got Brad Chambers in the race, mm-hmm. uh, Holcomb Hupfer Incorporated, and their little merry band of Oompa Loompas throwing their really full weight <laughs> behind uh, the Brad, Brad Chambers, Chambers, professional errand boy Brad Chambers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know leaving old Silent out in the cold after all the silence from all the stuff that Holcomb did and all the money she gave Holcomb, and boy, that's just got a sting. And then you know she came out with this ridiculous axe the tax thing where yep. she said, I'm going to eliminate the income tax. Well, okay, ma'am, how do you plan to do that? The Suzanne Crouch shell game. Yes, and uh, so nobody really warming up to that because nobody believes she's actually going to cut money from the budget. So thus, if you don't cut the budget, then you can't do the income tax. So look, I mean, her campaign is basically over and she's in a death spiral mode. And, you know, I just hate seeing people get their comeuppance, but she's getting her comeuppance. And hopefully we'll be able to move off of her pretty quick and on to professional errand boy Brad Chambers and we'll take care of him and then we'll We'll, we'll all go about our merry way and mm-hmm. hopefully get an actual conservative to run the state. Uh, somebody did call about uh, with a, a, a concern about the silent Suzanne's campaign being in trouble. Hey, guys. Uh, I have a question slash nightmare scenario for Rob. Uh, I listened to you guys talk yesterday and uh, today's interview with uh, Jim Merritt, and you keep mentioning how silent Suzanne and Aaron boy Brad Chambers are going to split the establishment <laughs> vote. So here's my nightmare scenario slash question for Rob. Uh, what if, since you said, Rob, that her campaign is in a downward spiral or death spiral, what if they come to her and, like, Eric Holcomb and all those guys come to her and say, look, your campaign's doomed. There's no way you're going to win. You're actually splitting votes with Brad. Um, and, you know, it there's a strong possibility Curtis Hill gets in there. We absolutely don't want him. Mike Mike Braun, we don't really want him either, but definitely not Curtis Hill. So why don't you drop out? You don't have to endorse anyone. Just drop out, and, you know, probably most of your potential voters will go towards Bradley. Um, And then in that nightmare scenario, Rob, uh, they wouldn't split the vote because it would just all go to Brad Chambers, and then he could win with – I don't know, 35% of the vote, 40% of the vote. Um, so do you think that will happen? Do you think, Or do you think she's narcissistic enough to where she's like, no, I will never drop out. I'm going to see this to the end. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, and, and look, normally I would say no way, no how. Somebody's going to get out when they've raised the amount of money. Yeah. Um, you know, Su- Silent Suzanne's got a lot of rich people who have given her a lot of money, and they've got reasons for doing that. And, and she has a lot of endorsements, oh, too. Oh, yes, a lot of county officials. Mm-hmm. Now, if for, so normally I would say, given the who Suzanne Crouch is, no way, absolutely not. However, as has been proven by the past seven years, Suzanne, old silent Suzanne, 
and I don't know if fetish is the right word. I don't know what we would use to describe this, but she has some weird thing where she needs to be subservient to male politicians in a position of authority. Mm. And if that's not true, and if somebody wants to be mad about me saying that, then how else do you explain someone who is now running on how conservative they're going to be being completely silent the past seven years, as Holcomb has done all these super liberal left things, whether it's meeting with domestic, uh, domestic terrorists or the lockdowns or the tax increases, if indeed silent Suzanne is conservative, as she says, then she must have some weird thing where she gets really excited about being totally quiet and subservient to male politicians. So if that's the case, maybe she will. Maybe she will totally do whatever Eric tells her to do. I mean, she's been doing it for the past seven years. Mm-hmm. So why would it be any different now? Boy, that that's a really great question. How sub- she could go from silent Suzanne to subservient Suzanne. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it just kind of moves. <laughs> great, doesn't it, Casey? Yeah. I mean, seriously, though, other than, what would you call her? Mm-hmm. For if, if, because now she's coming and saying, oh, I'm so conservative and I'm going to cut income taxes and I'm going to this and I'm going to that and I'm going to cut government. Well, why haven't you said anything? Yeah, because she felt like she didn't have the authority to before. Yeah, boy. Yeah. So who knows? I guess it's totally up in the air. Suzanne is great at following marching orders. She's great at being uh, very silent and subservient to Eric Holcomb. So I guess whatever uh, high tax tells her to do, maybe she'll do it. I don't know. Possibly. I, I, I don't see him saying that, though. Uh, hey. And and if he, even if he did, why would she listen? Well, we've just got to figure out whether or not it would serve Hoosiers well, Casey. Oh, there you and go. We'll just work Okay. <laughs> work uh, remember yesterday, we did the story about the sperm donor, the guy who had fathered 96 kids. Yep, with he's the, met 25 of them so far. And we talked about how that's a little weird because he had said, well, I'm doing this, uh, started doing this to pay off a $100 court, court fee or something. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, you could have given blood yeah, and you could have acquired the money. We think there's maybe something else at play here. Probably not productive for your own mental health to have 96 kids running around that you're not able to engage with on the regular, et cetera. Uh, somebody did call with an interesting perspective on that. So I was listening to the show about, and you guys talked about the guy who donated to the, uh, donated to the bank and now has, <laughs> I think you guys said 96 kids. Um, there's a little, there's also uh, an element of that that you guys did not bring up, which was what if, I'll just use the names Jack and Jill, uh, what if Jack and Jill, they, you know, grow up in separate homes and then they, you know, maybe they meet online and stuff and they uh, through a dating website or maybe they meet somehow. I mean, and they don't know that they're half brother or half sister. I mean, that just opens up a huge can of worms um, <laughs> if you have that many kids out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I think donating to a blood bank would be better. <laughs> Definitely better. Or um, plasma. Because uh, I don't know how a guy keeps going to the bank and donating. I mean, if he does it twice in a day, is that working a double shift? <laughs> hey <laughs> Who writes his material? Oh, that's, that's good stuff. Fantastic. I mean, it is a fair point, though, that you could conceivably have two people out here who let's say they're uh, are related and what's don't the, know it what's the big app arena these days kev where all the children are meeting each other on 
I would say Tinder is it a Tinder? or Hinge. Or, okay, let's say you're on Tinder and you're on Hinge. You could have these two people whose paths could cross. Possibly. And of course, they would have absolutely no idea. I mean, how does that how does that convo go? Hey, so like, you know, you get to know the person, you're a couple drinks in. So now tell me about your dad. Well, I actually never met my dad. I was uh, conceived from a sperm bank. Wow. Me oh my too. gosh. Me too. <laughs> we kind of look alike. Maybe we should have a conversation with mom. Uh, okay, no hammer today. He's doing something unproductive somewhere else. And uh, so when we come back, um, that Oliver Anthony dude was mm-hmm. on Joe Rogan. Yeah. And there's just some awesome audio from that, uh, that appearance. It's coming up next with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning, it is 1049. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So yesterday we were talking about Mike Pence not being able to call into the uh, outkick with Clay Travis because he didn't have a cell phone. He he was in a bad cell zone, right? Yeah. I I think maybe I know where he was. Oh! Mike Pence possibly was at Joe Rogan's club, (laughs) the comedy mothership, because at that club they have a very strict no cell phone policy. Ah, bingo. Yes, I'm sure Rogan and Pence are just (laughs) hanging out. Yeah, those two seem like two guys that mm-hmm. would... Uh, Cut from the same cloth. So some guy who was hanging out with Rogan, though, was yeah. this Oliver Anthony character. And uh, we're on about minute 10 of his 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. So uh, he better just sign whatever deals he needs to sign because... Uh, I don't know, man. The actual guy is kind of boring. Um, the song's great, but eh, that's usually the way it works out, right? Have you listened to any of his other music uh, besides one, Richmond, North I think, of I Richmond? Think one, one other song. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I'm very busy, Casey. <laughs> okay. And so he was on with uh, Rogan, and uh, they were actually talking about, I mean, hey, look, it's 2023. You can go from some guy in your car filming on your cell phone to the most listened to guy on the internet in three days, and they talked about that. If you had a song just about love that resonated like that, it would be almost impossible to hate you. But you have a song where you're talking about how people are fed up with and it obviously resonated. I mean, I've seen songs go viral, but that's pretty banana, son. (laughs) Your your went to the moon right away. And uh, God, I'm not sure who sent it to me. I'll have to find out who sent it to me. Because it's one of those things where, like, once one person sent it to me, then it was like dozens of people were sending yeah. it to me. It, it, um, it's funny because originally that song wasn't in my, it wasn't really even in my top five. Like, it's not normally the type of song. I've written songs with similar messages, but as far as that sort of, like, I guess anthem format is what people are calling it. It's like an anthem. Like, that's not something I would normally write. But, uh, but it's an unlikely anthem. Yeah. You know, insane times. <laughs> it would be an unlikely anthem. Yeah, I had no idea that that song would react the way it did. Um, well, you're a smart guy, and it's representative of how a lot of people feel. Okay, so, and, and he's right. Look, and God bless this guy, and I hope he makes a gajillion dollars, and, you know, may he get whatever he wants out of this, and may it be awesome for him in the greatest experience of his life. However, mm-hmm. 
He's not Dylan. He's not Springsteen. He's not Jackson Brown. He's not any of these great prolific songwriters. He's uh, he's Lee Greenwood, Casey. Yeah, he got one one good he's one. Got, he's got the thing. Mm-hmm. Now, hey, look, if he starts rip-roaring, you know, if he ends up being like his debut album is like Boston circa 1976 or whatever that mm-hmm. was, okay, then it's a new ball game. But he's a dude with a song yeah. that has made him a bunch of money right now, which is great, and he's getting a lot of publicity, and he seems like a very, very, very nice guy, but let's not, you know, dub this guy the next whatever. Right now, he's Bertie Higgins and Lee Greenwood. Yeah, he tapped into something in time, right? Sure. Like, will this play out well years from now? Maybe not. It's a good song. It's not a great song. The first verse is very good. Second verse... Not as good, right? <laughs> but I think it's people are looking for something that they can grab onto. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Casey. Ta- the, the line, taxes ought not to pay for your bag of fudge rounds. Look, <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly, Wendy, let me in. I want to be your friend and mm-hmm. guard your dreams and visions. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, that's pretty good. It's okay. Come on. It's okay. Yeah, that's a line you haven't heard before. Yeah, I mean, my wife and I laugh hysterically. We'll just look at each other and we'll go, taxes ought not to pay for your (laughs) bag of fudge rounds. It is catchy. It is. It's great. Uh, Apparently, Dwight Schrute, the guy who played Dwight Schrute on The Office, was Uh very dismissive of Oliver Anthony, and that's hilarious to think that Dwight Dwight Schrute was like... Well, why is this guy weighing in? Well, Rain Wilson is the guy's name. Right. And Rain Wilson's kind of weird. He he used to be super libertarian and he was very like anti-left. But now, I, you know, like many people in Hollywood, it seems like he's kind of gone super woke left, whatever. Uh, and Rogan and Oliver Anthony were making fun of Dwight Schrute. And then there was uh, Dwight from The Office. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> chimed in that if he was going to write a cultural anthem, what did he say? Something like he wouldn't write about over- <laughs> overweight people on welfare. He would write about billionaires and their taxes. Yeah. There is nothing funnier than millionaires talking about billionaires. <laughs> there is nothing funny, funnier about millionaires pretending these billionaires are out of touch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, take take Dwight from the office down to West Virginia. You know, take him, take him through those coal mining countries. Take him through those places in Appalachia where people have extreme poverty yeah. and, and pills have ravished those areas. Take him through there. And it's everywhere. Yeah, the sad thing is it's, it's everywhere now. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's funny. People right off the get-go I guess because it was Radio WV that posted the original video, but like I've never once advertised myself as being necessarily from the mountains. My grandfather grew up in western part of Virginia in the mountains, but I've, I'm from Farmville, which is technically Piedmont. But even in throughout rural Virginia, that poverty is a big issue, and drugs are a big issue. And I mean, it's not just even in the rural areas. In you go into downtown Richmond or any downtown anywhere for that matter, it's like it's almost like um, yeah, these problems exist everywhere now. That are and I think I mean obviously they are. Because they that's why everywhere. the song resonated the way it did. You know, even in other, other countries. In yeah. other countries, yeah. yeah. Okay, so <laughs> let's see Rain Wilson's song. Yeah. Pick up your guitar, Rain. Write be, something. Let's be very clear. This guy is no Harry Chapin. <laughs> Cab, take us to break. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. She's acting happy inside her handsome home. And me, I'm flying in my taxi.